0: been doing a series on questions, and uh, this is the, uh, it's questions you want to know, but you really don't want to ask, and here's a question that I do get sometimes from people, and that is, will God really speak to me? Will God really speak to me? I know you hear that, Pastor, and I know you're a pastor, so I know God speaks to you, but I don't feel like I ever hear from God. I hear that sometimes. Let me tell you unequivocally, God will speak to you, amen? So we're going to flesh that out. And we're going to talk about today how you know it's God's voice speaking to you. Amen? So if you'll pull out your Bibles in whatever form you have it. I got mine on my phone. Uh, you can check out YouVersion notes. You'll see it on the screen there. If you don't already have it, you can follow along, take notes, reference the Bible. You can download that. A lot of people take notes. How many of you do Version and you take notes and so forth? As there's several people. And you can well, you save notes as you go. Once you save it at the end of the service, you always have it. You can always refer back to it. So... Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus 25, Exodus chapter 25. You know, God still does speak through those Old Testament books, amen? Exodus chapter 25, we're just going to read one verse today, and uh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, God's going to speak to you. Poke your neighbor and say, God's about to speak to you. Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, amen, praise the Lord. And when you've got it, if you'll stand uh, to your feet for the reading of God's word, Pastor, why do you do that? Because we just—it's a—it's a way of honoring God, right? If the president of the United States walks in; everyone stands to their feet. It's—it's it's not the man; it's the office, right? Well, how much more the word of God that endures forever? How much more the word of God that saves our souls? Praise God! We should honor the word of God. Exodus chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-two. Reads, and there I will meet with. Wow. Did you know the God of the universe wants to meet with you? This is not a New Testament concept. This is a concept that started in the Garden of Eden when God came down in the cool of the day to meet with Adam and Eve. He says, and there I will meet with you a certain place. And I will speak with you. Everybody say, he's going to speak to me above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Father, we thank you so much, Jesus, for your presence, your reminders that we're not alone, and God, that you will speak to us. I pray for the next few moments, God, you anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Lord, I pray, Father, not one word of my own come out of my mouth, but every word straight from the throne of God into our hearts. Lord, speak to us, God, for we, your servants, are listening. Open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let us boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word in christ's name i pray amen high five two or three people as you're being seated many years ago when uh, holly and i were first married we were uh, gonna go out and see a movie one night and as I pulled into the parking lot immediately I felt a strict, stern, strong warning from the Holy Spirit. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Do not park and do not go in this place. And I mean it was just like terror gripped me. I don't know how to explain it. And I, I looked at Holly, I said, We I don't know what's going on. We gotta get out of here. So we got out of there as soon as we left and made the decision to obey what God said. The feeling lifted, I have no idea what was going to happen other than there was danger ahead. Uh, God will speak to you, amen? And He will still speak. And I know people, there's there's a misunderstanding out there today that says, well, He only speaks through His Word. But there's nowhere in His Word that says, don't park in this parking spot and go in that building today, amen? That's the Holy Spirit within us warning us and telling us, hey, you don't do this. There's danger ahead. In Exodus 25, in this verse here, I want you to catch the fact that God says, I will meet with you, and I will speak with you. I love that. God, the God of the universe, wants to come down and meet with us and talk with us. How amazing is that? Wow. So, there's several ways that you can hear God's voice. And the first thing that I want to hit with you for just a second is hearing God's voice through worship. Did you know that we can often hear the voice of God the best in worship? There is something about worshiping God. There's something about humbly coming before Him and worshiping Him and blessing His name and singing out His praises that draws His presence according to Psalm 22 and 3 and then invites Him to come and speak with you. I don't know how many times in my life I've been in worship and have had the Lord speak to me something that would give me direction for the ministry, direction for my life, my family, what have you. But many, many times He does this. He often speaks the loudest and the clearest when we're in worship. I've seen it happen too many times. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this word means more than simply filling up something like a container. It's a a personal component. The idea is that God meets with us personally and supplies from His own personhood what is lacking in us. So when He comes to meet with you, He's not just talking with you and you talking to Him. He fills every crevice in your life with Himself to complete you and fill you up. Somebody shout a good amen. He fills us up by speaking to us, by transforming us, by filling us with his presence. In Exodus 25, I want you to catch this. God doesn't merely say, I want to come down and speak to you. I don't want to come speak at you. So many people have a misunderstanding of God. They think he's the big, big, bad cosmic being up in the sky with a belt in his hand ready to speak at you and wear you out a good one. He's not, he's, you're not a horse and he's on you and he's whipping you trying to get you to go faster like yesterday in the Kentucky Derby. He said, I want to come speak with you. Wow. The God of the universe who created everything we see, who sent his son to die on a cross, says he wants to come and speak with us. There's a big difference in with and not simply to. The word with implies conversation. It implies a dialogue. He speaks, we listen. We speak, he listens. We have conversation together. He talks and we listen. We talk and he listens. We have a relationship with God. Did you know that's why Jesus died on the cross? God is not just simply dwelling among us. He is dwelling in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And He dwells in us, according to Ephesians 3.17, by faith. And He dwells in our hearts through faith. So during worship, we gain perspective. Look what Revelation 3.20 says. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. This verse is not talking about eating. It's talking about God coming down and us having fellowship and a relationship together. God is much bigger than a church service, or I have a religion in my life. It is about a relationship. Everybody shout relationship. He is inviting us to focus our thoughts and our hearts and our minds on him. Now this requires a deliberate action on our part to purposely set aside the thoughts of the world and to get into his presence and try to clear our minds and hear from him. The psalmist in Psalm 73, verses 13 through 17, talks a little bit about this. And I want to set this up. The first 12 verses, basically the psalmist is whining. You ever whine to God? Well, this guy whined to God in the Bible. And he's whining. And what he's saying is, he says, hey, I've taken a look around. And he says, why does it seem like all the wicked people have all the money and have no problems? Why does it seem like they get away with everything and I'm just hopeless? In fact, verse 13, listen to the hopelessness that he has. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. It's been all for nothing. How many times have I heard somebody say, Pastor, I feel like serving Christ has been all for nothing. I want to tell you that's a lie of the devil. His mind is on the world and everything else, everybody's got, and everybody else and everything they have, and he's licking his own wounds. He is singing the song, Woe is me. He is like the the vultures and the birds in the jungle book that are singing, Nobody cares the troubles I've been through. Nobody cares what I've been through. This is what the psalmist is doing. Hey, we do it and, you know, God hears us and forgives us. This guy actually wrote it down. <laughs> he, said, he said, I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued, chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children." In other words, nothing's going right. Everybody else has it all together, not me. I'm, I'm doomed, but gloom, and despair. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. I I can't can't even think about it, he's writing. I I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm tired of hearing about everybody else's blessings. You ever been there? Don't raise your hand. You ever thought, why do they get blessed? Why do they get their prayers answered? Why do they, they, they? The eyes are in the wrong places. But then he says a key word after he gets done whining and complaining for 16 verses. In verse 17, he says, until. Everybody say, until. Until changes everything. Why? He said, until I went in the sanctuary of God. Wow. His perspective changed when he went to the sanctuary with God. His eyes were on everybody else and everything going right with them and everything going wrong with him. His eyes were on him, himself, everything that he didn't want to happen. But then he went to the house of God. And his eyes went from horizontal to vertical. And he started seeing God. And God gave him a new perspective. My blessed Lord. I'm telling you what we need in the church today is a new perspective. We need to get in the presence of God. A sanctuary is not this building, this theater we we worship. It is anywhere we choose to meet with God. Turn your car into a... A sanctuary of God. Amen. Turn your workplace and your workstation into one. I, I know people that, that uh, Marcus he welds and he puts on worship and he puts on podcasts and he's with the presence of God all day while he's working. Turn your life, your living room everywhere you go into a sanctuary with God and when you get in the presence of God and he starts speaking to you and you start speaking to him, he will change your perspective. Wow. Wow. So it says, hey, when I got into the presence of God, then I understood they're in. But the big thing is, everything changed. So then he goes on to write in the same chapter, verses 23 through 26. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Wow. Look, you don't have to. It's good we should have a place that we go and we meet with God. But you can meet with God all day long, every day. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterward, receive me to glory. Look, look. this is different than the first 13 verses. The first 13 verses says, I can't even think about how good everybody else has it. It's too painful. Now his eyes are like, God, you're continually with me. Do you see the change up here? He goes on verse 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside you. Wait a minute. Verse 12 verses, he's wanting everything else everybody else has. Now he says, oh God, I remember now. All I really want is you. Wow. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is when he went in the sanctuary of God, when he went to meet with God, that his whole outlook changed. Wow. If you are seeking to hear from God, I encourage you to enter into a time of worship. Quiet your heart, just silence everything else, and begin to worship and watch God will speak. Now, there's some practical steps I want to talk about in hearing God's voice. In order to hear a specific word from God, in other words, God to speak to you to answer certain questions, we need to be in the habit of hearing the general word of God. The general word of God is simply you you turn the pages of the Bible. You hear God generally speaking to you through the pages of the Word of God. And it's an important process in learning God's voice. So, we've got to learn to value His voice, His general voice. Just Him speaking through the Word of God to us. If we want to hear a specific word from Him from time to time. Like, what job do you take? What part of town are you going to live in? What house are you going to buy? You can't find an answer for that in the Bible. You might find God speaking to you and leading you through the word of God. But ultimately, you've got to hear The inner voice of the Holy Spirit speak to you. Do I make that investment? What college do I go to? What do I do with this situation? How do I handle this disagreement with someone? What car do I buy? The questions that you have answers for, like real life questions, that that are not necessarily in black and white in the Word of God, you need to hear the voice of God speak to you. Now, He'll speak through the Word. He'll give you a verse to confirm. But you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible that says in black and white, go marry this person. Go to that school. Buy this car. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So even if you're not in the habit of meeting with him and hearing from him on a regular basis, then it's, not, it's going to be harder to hear that specific voice of God. We've got to be in the habit of hearing from God regularly. So what are some practical steps? Here we go. I'm, this is going to be very practical for a little bit. You ready? Everybody say ready. Ready. Number one, set an appointment with God. Everybody say, set an appointment with God. How much time in your daily schedule do you allot to hear God's voice? If you want to hear God speak, then you need to set an appointment with Him every day. Schedule Him in. Look, we we are in the habit of scheduling the most important things in our life. If you have an important meeting, you schedule it. You give it priority. If you have an important phone call, you'll schedule it. You'll set aside a time to take that phone call, right? You schedule appointments with dentists, lawyers, CPAs, doctors, right? Because you got And what will you do? You will build your schedule around that because that is something very important. Now, scheduling an appointment with God does not diminish the person of God in your life. Rather, it prioritizes Him. So it's kind of like a schedule that will... You know, I need to meet with God. Where am I going to work Him in? I know what I'll do. God, I'll work you on, on Wednesday, May the 1st. Oh, I got my second sport. I can't, we'll figure something else out. Well, I gotta, let's see, Thursday night, I can, oh, my favorite TV show is at 7. God, we're going to have to do something different now. So God says, well, why don't you get up early and meet with me? Well, i, I got to go to the gym by 5. I so can't do that. Well, Saturday, you're off to stuff. Well, that's game night. Come on, God. Game night. We can't give up game night. I mean, you know. Well, I know what to do. Well, you, you meet with me early on Sunday morning. Oh, I'm on the setup and teardown team. Church, can't do that. God says, well, what about Tuesday the 14th? Well, oh, mowing the grass. I got a parent meeting at school, I don't know God, sorry I can't work in. And we laugh and have fun, but you know what? This is the picture of most Americans. My question is, where is God? And then we walk around and we say, just like the psalmist in Psalm 73, and we whine to God, our prayer time becomes whining to God. Because we're not meeting with Him to get His perspective. Where in that schedule is God? I want to tell you something. What does your calendar show as the top priority in your life? If you show me your calendar and your checkbook, I'll tell you who's number one in your life. When your calendar has no time for God and your checkbook gives nothing to God, do not come on your church on a Sunday morning and say, God is first in my life. I know that's strong, but that's the facts. Amen? Exodus 19, 10 through 11 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Watch this. And let them wash their clothes. Get ready for me. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. God is making an appointment with Israel. He said, I'm coming down on the third day. Everybody get ready. Notice what God is doing. He's setting an appointment. He wants us to be ready for his appointment. In fact, God comes to a prepared people and a prepared atmosphere. Now, I know earlier the comment was strong, but the fact is, if God is really first in our life, then our checkbooks, our calendars, our life should show that. Would you agree with that? If you try to tell your loved one, your spouse, your little honey, she's number one, but you ain't never around, you never spend time with her. The only time you try to talk, she's talking, you're hearing it, but you're watching TV. You never have any kind of quality time with her. What you're communicating to her is, you're really not first in my life. See, the Holy Spirit is never disorganized. In fact, the Holy Spirit works best through prepared soil and hearts. So we need to find a consistent place where we meet with God. Amen. A place where you can meet with Him and be focused. A place of solitude for you and God, where where you can be together. Maybe a, maybe it's a public place. Maybe it's a a bench at a park or a, or a walk through the woods. Or uh, one pastor uh, testifies he goes to McDonald's every morning and he takes his Bible and his journal and he meets with God in McDonald's booth. Well, praise God! I just hope he ain't in McDonald's every day, or he's going to have to have some work done on his arteries. But I know I always try to meet with God first thing. It just seems like when I meet with God first, the day just goes differently. The same things may happen, but my attitude towards them, my perspective towards them is different. When I don't meet with God, it feels like it sticks to me. You ever you ever felt like, like there's glue and they're throwing darts and they're sticking? But when I've met with God, those same events can happen and it feels like water off a duck's back. Can anybody relate what I'm talking about? I heard Jensen Franklin say one time, if you start your day in prayer and worship and the Word, meeting with God basically, nothing outside of the will of God can happen to you the rest of the day. I, I believe that. So, so what do we do first in the appointment? Now we've made an appointment, God. What do we do? Well, point number two is this. Be still in worship. Everybody say, be still in worship. I know we've talked about hearing from God in worship, but I want to go just a little deeper. Now that we're at the appointment with God, we need to sit still, quiet our minds, and meet with God. Psalm uh, 46 and 10. I'm going to read you two different versions. New King James Version says, be still. Everybody say, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, cease striving. Wow. And know that I am God. I'm, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I, I talked to one pastor who pastored a very large church, and he said when he would feel himself striving and all, he would just say, T for time out. And he said, I would walk out my office door into a private little area in the church grounds, and if it was just five minutes, I would just still my soul and just say, God, I, I, need the, I need you. And an amazing thing would happen. He would feel all the anxiety leave, he would feel all the frustrations leave. I've been there many times. Can anybody relate with what I'm talking about? In either translation, the wording reflects a posture of quietness before the Lord, of listening, of hearing from God, of casting our cares and our anxieties at His feet. When Jehoshaphat was facing him and his army with three major armies bearing down on them that really could have had the numbers and really could have wiped them out, They were anxious, they were in turmoil, they began to fast and pray and worship God, and all of a sudden a man named Jehaziel, a Levite, stood up and he prophesied and said, hey, everybody needs to chill out basically, because the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's, and you're not even going to need to fight in this battle. How many likes those kind of battles? (laughs) Yeah! So what does Jehoshaphat and them do in reference to God speaking to them? Check these verses out. Verses 21-23 through in 2 Chronicles 20. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing unto the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. It's amazing. We're going to send the choir out first. I'm sure they had a lot of volunteers. We're going to praise God because we've heard from God. This isn't wishing and hoping. This is, I've heard the voice of God say we won't even need to fight. So because God spoke and because I believe the word of God, send the praisers out because we've already got to victory. Man, what would happen in the church today and in our lives if we would just hear from God and say, Well, I know what it looks like in the natural. (laughs) But I got a word from God I'm just going to praise God Anyhow devil I'm going to thank God for the mountain I'm going to thank God for the problem I'm going to thank God because I already Have the victory Woo Does anybody believe this So here they go They go out verse 22-23 When they began to sing and praise I love this The Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. I love it. He ambushed the enemy. Did you know your praise can ambush the devil? Instead of the devil ambushing you, instead of him getting you into traps, you can begin to praise God and God will ambush him. I love it. Wow. What battles are you faced with today? What enemy is bearing down on you? What enemy has you surrounded? I want to tell you something. Lift up your voice and bless the name of the Lord. He will speak to you through worship. Still your heart. Worship God and He'll take care of you. Watch this. Acts 13 2. Check this out. While they were worshiping the Lord. What were they doing? While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit. While they're worshiping and fasting the Holy Spirit. Worship came first, God spoke second. We have it backwards in the church. We want God to speak and then we'll go worship. God says, no, I want you to worship in faith and then I'll speak. We all fight battles. Maybe you're fighting a battle in your health. Maybe you're fighting a battle in your family. Maybe you're fighting a battle for your future or with your children or whoever. It doesn't matter. Worship God. Look, worshiping God looks like maybe, maybe one day it looks like getting in a quiet place by yourself stilling your mind and letting the Lord put a song on your heart and just begin to sing to Him. Somebody say amen to that, right? Amen. Have you ever done that before? Or it may look like get some worship music on and, and just blast it through the house and just worship or in the car. Or it simply may look like getting out a journal and writing down all the things you're thankful for and how good God has been to you. It's, it's, uh, it changes every time. So once you've done that, what's next in your appointment with God? Well, the next thing is, number, point number three is, you pray and read the Bible. You talk to God, and God talks to you. Amen? Mark 1, Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus was our example. He got up, he got his mind quiet, and he got in the presence of the Father, so he was ready for the day. Psalm 119, 147 uh, says this, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry out for help. I hope in your word. Now, what I want you to catch here, and some of you will be thankful, is not so much early as first. We need to meet with God first. Before we put our feet on the ground when the alarm clock goes off and you think, surely it's not already this hour in the morning. We need to say, God, help us today. Oh, God, give us favor with you and mankind today, according to Luke 2.52. Oh, God, you said if any man lacks wisdom, all you got to do is ask you and gives liberty to all people. and, and, And abradeth not and you will give it to us. Please give us wisdom for the day. Oh, God, walk with us. Talk with us. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. That you would always be with us to the end of the age. Be with me today, God. I've got important meetings. I've got problems to deal with. I've got headaches to answer. I've got all this stuff. And I can't do it on my own. I need you, God. You know, that just invites him. So what do you pray for? Well, whatever's on your heart. Look, if... You don't have to pray for the President of the United States every day unless every day the Lord has put the President of the United States on your heart. You don't have to pray for your crazy uncle every day unless God has put your crazy uncle on your heart every day. Amen? Pray what's on your heart. I know one great minister who pastors 35,000 people. And he said, I just go out and I meet with God. I still my mind. I worship. We begin to talk. I hear from his word. And he said, I just pray as God lays people on my heart. You don't have to force things. Just let the Lord lead you in the prayer time. Somebody say Amen. amen. Once you once you have worship and sense His presence, then talk to God and read the Bible. And the, and the obvious question is, where? Okay, well, let's answer that. Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen says this: All Scripture is inspired by God. My thing is totally gone here. Well, it's gone there too. Imagine that. Do we have it back? We have a we have an issue. Okay, all right, it's back. Praise God. I don't know what's going on. Everybody say all Scripture. All scripture. Everybody say all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's God-breathed. Yeah. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So where do we read? Notice the word all. Everybody say all. all. That means everything in the Bible is useful. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. That means reading the Gospels. Read in Acts, read in Genesis, or Ruth, or Hosea, or Daniel, or 1 Peter, or Revelation. It doesn't matter. Just pick it up and start reading it, amen? For 27 weeks, at least one day a week, you can just follow the pattern. This week is the book of Mark. Sit down and just read it, amen? But if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, there's two areas that I highly suggest you start with. If you've never really read the Bible or if you read just a little bit and you say, Pastor, where do I really need to start? I'm new to church. I'm new to Christianity. There's two areas I want you to start. Number one is the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because it explains Christianity. Helps you understand your faith. Amen." Amen? Number two would be the epistles. What are the epistles? They're not the sister to apostles, right? The epistles are letters. Amen? The, some people don't know what they are. I didn't know for a long time. I remember when I first got in church, they said, epistles, epistles. I thought, is that the apostle's sister or wife? I didn't know what it was. Epistles are simply letters, amen? Uh, uh, epistles are like the letter to Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians. Those were those are great books to read as a new Christian or a new believer in church or someone new in church. Why? They're, they're instruction for new believers. Why? Because they were written to new believers. Those people were new Christians. And they were written to tell them how to live their life. So if you're new to church, don't reinvent the wheel. Start reading them, amen? Read the gospel so you understand Christianity. And read the letters to Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Romans. Because they teach us how to live according to God's standards. It was written to new believers. If you're a new believer, put the two together and just start reading, amen? Man, I, I want to tell you, it's so hard sometimes. We make it so difficult. Just open the pages and read, amen? It'll change your life. Set an appointment and then become still and worship the Lord. Then pray and read the Bible. And the final step is this. I'm going to encourage you. Number four, and this is the one most people miss, and that is this. listening. Right. Listening to God is one of the hardest things for us to do. But if we'll learn to listen, then we'll learn to hear God's voice. Listening and writing is one of the best ways to hear God's voice. Very seldom do I go in the prayer closet without a notepad and a pen. Or at least my phone and I'm making notes. God speaks to me and I write it down. If you don't write it down, chances are you will forget it and you will wish you had written it down write down your thoughts when you meet with him listen the act of writing will keep your mind focused on God and focused on the conversation with him and help you discern which verse applies to your specific situation write down what you believe the scriptures are are are, are answers to your prayers that God has given you this will help you look back also and see how God's directed you through time So every day we need to spend time with God to hear His voice. We need to hear His general will and specific will. We need to prepare an atmosphere. We need to keep appointments with Him. And I want to tell you so many times, I can't even tell you how many times that I've been in worship, that I've been praying, that I've been seeking God, and God has spoke to me. He's redirected me. He's given me something fresh. He put a a scripture in my heart that turned into a whole series of sermons. He gave me a scripture that was an answer for my family. So many times meeting with him, just worshiping, not even asking for it. And he would speak to me and it would ignite in my soul. And I would say, yes, that's the answer. I think about Carl's Dale heart failure back when we were at Central Parkway and and the Lord really during the fast was challenging. You can't be Central Parkway Church of God not on Central Parkway. You're moving the church. So I kept praying. God, I just I would hear names. I would think, no, that's not right. And it just it just it just wasn't working. And day 16 of that 21 day fast, I, I just I, I wanted something that what was in my heart. when I was praying about, God, what do you want to name the church? That was my prayer. That's not what I want. I don't care what the name is. What do you want, God? I want it to be something that means something. More than just, well, we're the first church of whatever. Or the first this or we're the this, you know, the name of the street or whatever. It needs to be something that means something to us. Something that provides action. And something that provides hope. And when Bridge of Hope came out, I'm telling you, it ignited in me. It blew up in me. And I stood up. I remember and Dale and I were talking. And I stood up and I shouted. And I went, whoa, that's it. You know, Dale's eyes are big, man. The chair's shaking. I went running out in the hall. We got it. We got it. Megan's coming out of her office. We got what? We got what? I said, We got it. God has spoken the name. We are a bridge of hope for people. We're a bridge of hope. I did, I went running down, I was shouting, hallelujah. Let me tell you something, when you want it bad enough, when you want to hear God's voice bad enough in a situation, and you're willing to push back the plate, and you're willing to be desperate to hear from him, when he does speak to you, it'll put a shout in your step. It'll put a dance in you. It'll put a shout in you. Hallelujah. There's nothing like hearing the voice of God. Woo! So, how do I know? We're going to close this up now. How do I know if it's God speaking to me? How do I know it's not just me, Pastor? How do I know it's not the devil? How do I know that it's God? Listen. Is it okay to ask God to confirm His Word? Absolutely. God always confirms His Word. Let me say it again. God always... Confirms his word. Mark 16, 20. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Last verse. The preaching of the word went first. The preaching of the gospel, the spoken word went first. God brought the signs second. What we want in the church in America is God to do the sign and then we'll speak the word. God's saying, I'm waiting on you to speak forth the word. Yeah. Genesis 1, 2, what was the Holy Spirit doing? Bible says he was fluttering. He was hovering above the earth. He was like in a, he was like in a like a plane that can't land and it's in a, it's in a holding pattern. The Holy Spirit was in a holding pattern. Why was the Holy Spirit in a holding pattern? He was waiting on the spoken word of God. When God spoke, let there be light, the Holy Spirit, there was light. Jesus said, preach the gospel to every living creature. Why? The gospel, not politics, not my opinion. The gospel, the good news, the Bible. Why? Because it releases the Holy Spirit to go into action and confirms the word. 2 Corinthians 13, 1 says it this way. This will be the third time I'm coming to you by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word shall be established. That's basically saying, hey, God understands and endorses confirmation. Three times Gideon asked for confirmation and God gave it to him. So we know God's not like troubled by it. So there are three questions you can ask. Is this the voice of God? I need everybody to, to sit up straight and give me about three minutes here. Maybe four and we're closed. You, you've got to hear this. If, if you hear nothing else in the, in the message, you need to hear this part of it. Are you ready? Poke your neighbor real good and say, you need to hear this part. And I'm saying that not just for me, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? How do I know it's God and not me or the devil? Three questions you can ask yourself. They'll be on the overhead. If you've got version notes, you've got them. If not, take a picture with your phone. You ready? Does it line up with the Bible? Look, does the Bible agree with what you think you're hearing God speak? Because his voice will never disagree with his word. If you feel like you have guidance from God and it contradicts the word of God, that wasn't God. If you say, God told me to go murder three people today, I can promise you that wasn't God. Because he said in his word, thou shalt not murder. If you tell me, hey, God's cool with me committing adultery on my wife. I will tell you, no, that wasn't God's voice. God's voice says, thou shalt not commit adultery. So it's very simple. Does it line up with the Word of God? Look, if what you're hearing doesn't line up with the Word, it's gone. God never will ever contradict the Word of God. Now, if you God you've heard and the Word confirms it, there's a good chance that's God because the devil ain't going to do that. Okay? Second question. Are you ready? And this is one that a lot of people in America don't want to hear. Listen, does godly counsel agree? This is so important. If you believe God has spoken to you, then submit it to prayerful counsel. What, what are other believers saying about the matter? Are they hearing the same thing from the Lord? Proverbs 12, 15 says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Look, I, 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 unless I know I've heard the voice of God, I very rarely can ask the staff and the elders. I don't go into, into meetings blazing going, we're going to do what we're going to do. I submit it to counsel and say, hey, how do, how do y'all feel about this? If it's really important, I'll tell the elders, hey, let's pray about it for 30 days. Let's pray on it, fast on it. We'll come back together and we'll see what God is saying. You can ask the elders, they're here. You can ask the staff, hey, what, how do y'all feel about this? And there's been many times where they're like, yeah, that's not a good idea, Pat. I don't know about that. And I, I pull back the reins. I say, okay, well, either I'm not hearing from God or they're not. So let's all pray and we'll figure this thing out together. Amen? There's something about wise counsel. There's something about going to your authority. For me, it's an overseer or it's mentors. I'll call and i say, hey, this is what I kind of feel like, God. How do you feel about this? I listen for godly counsel. Look, there are times that you have in your mind what you want, and you'll go to a, a godly counsel or a mentor, and they'll tell you, no, that's not a good idea. But you don't like the answer, so you'll find another one. And you keep going till you find somebody who agrees with you. That's not, that's not seeking godly counsel. That's seeking to get your own way. When you go after godly counsel, let me tell you something. God's in it. The elders will tell me, yeah, pastor, I feel good about this. Let's do this. The staff will say, yeah, it registers in my spirit. I feel good about this. Key leaders in the church, yeah, I feel good about this. Mentors, yeah, I I believe God is saying this to you. There's safety in that. There's no big eyes. There's no pride. We need to hear from God. We need to measure it. Am I really hearing from God? It's okay to do that. Someone say amen. That's why God puts people in our lives. There's, there's safety in the multitude of counselors, Proverbs says. So when you feel like you've heard from God, basically when you go to godly counsel, you're submitting it with open hands. Hey, do you, do you feel like God's in this? I have people come to me as the pastor. And I pray about it with them, and I say, "Man, I, I do feel good about that." Or if you know me, I'll tell you the truth. I don't. I don't. I just don't think this is right. Look, when you seek godly counsel, you need to hear from God first. You're not asking other people to hear God for you. You're hearing from God, and you're submitting it to godly counsel. And if they're really praying and where they need to be in God, God's the Spirit of God is going to speak to them. Listen. The number one godly counsel you can ever have agree with you, listen to me very closely, is your spouse. If you ever make a decision that your spouse is against, you will regret it 100% of the time. You're one flesh in the sight of God. If God's leading one of you to do it, He's going to lead both of you to do it. I know a guy one time, he went out and bought him a boat, and the wife said, hey, you didn't think you should ask? I'll make the money in this house, I'll do it. She said, okay, but I, I didn't feel good about it. I'm not with it. First time he went out, the engine blew. He rode himself back to shore, hauled it to the dealership, bought a new engine, got back out there. Second time, he blew the second engine. He brought it back, went and got another one. By the third time, he said, I don't believe God's in this. I'm taking the whole thing back. Let me be Listen, your spouse is not the big bad wolf saying, I'm going to punish you or withhold from you. No. God uses them to confirm. You you need to trust that. And then finally, the last statement is this. Does peace reign in your heart? Do I have peace? Look, it always takes faith to follow God, but fear has no part of the experience. Fear is from the enemy. Faith is from God. If God is leading, He will give you peace. The move forward may not be completely revealed, and most likely won't be, but you'll have peace that you're going in the right direction. This is one of the greatest confirmations of God's voice. Colossians 3.15, I'm almost done. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Everybody say rule. To which we were called in one body, be faithful. The word rule here means so much more than to simply let peace be in your hearts. This is not a verse telling you just chill out, man. In the Greek, the word rule, look it, it means to be an umpire. The peace of God in you should call the balls and strikes. It means to reign. It means to arbitrate, to judge, to decide, to control. Now, I know if you watch horse racing, which I I just happened to have a Kentucky Derby on yesterday, the, the horse that won that eventually got disqualified, he got out of control, and the jockey said, I had to fight him and get him back in control. I had Basically, I had to show the, the horse who was boss. The peace of God gets inside of us and says, Greg, you're going the wrong way here, buddy. You can't sleep at night. You're tossing and turning. You're anxious. That's because I ain't in it. Don't fight it or you're going to make a mistake. That's my grace telling you that's not my leading. See, God's peace should factor into all of our decision making. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, I say the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus if you have a feeling of unease in your spirit and your mind about something you're doing, God's not the one leading it. However, if you're not sure how it's going to turn out and, but you have such a peace about the steps you're taking, that probably is God leading. In closing, my closing little story here, I was, I was, I was uh, paralyzed with a decision I had to make one Sunday morning early and I, I just didn't know what to do. And I went to a wise staff member, and, uh, and I said, man, I don't know what to do. I'm not hearing from God's voice. I don't, I don't know which way to go. I know what I feel like I'm supposed to do, but I kind of fear what the people will think. It was new in pastoring, and I just didn't know what to do. And he said, oh, that's simple. He said, go where the peace is. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and He'll never lead you to do anything He doesn't give you peace for. And He just walked away. And don't you hate when that happens? He's just so nonchalant. I was dumbfounded by the simplicity of it. And, I, and I've let it work in my life for many, many years since. Listen, that day I went where the peace went. Two people in that church got saved. And they've been serving God faithfully and fervently for 15 years since because I obeyed God. And I went where the peace was. Does it line up with the Bible? Does godly counsel agree? Does peace reign in your heart? Would you stand to your feet, please?